So there were four priests who decided to go on vacation in a little cabin in the Adirondacks. Now, I like the Adirondacks as much as anyone else, but it can be kind of boring just sitting around in a cabin. So one night they decided they would tell each other what their greatest temptations were. So Father Fleming decided to go first. He said, well, it's kind of embarrassing, but my greatest temptation is playing solitaire on the computer. I find myself showing up late for appointments, and the other day I was counseling someone, and I was playing it on my cell phone in my lap while I was talking to him. Well, the next, the next priest, Father Kelly, said, well, my, tem- my temptation is worse. It's excessive gambling. One Saturday, instead of preparing my homily for Mass, I went down to the new casino by the thruway and gambled away half my savings account. So mine's even worse, Father Little says. It's Sometimes I can't control my urge to drink. One time I even broke into the sacramental wine. But Father Schroeder sat there quietly, not wanting to say anything. And after a couple of minutes, he figured he better speak up. And he says, brothers, I can hardly say this, but my temptation is worst of all. I can hardly say it, but I love to gossip. No matter how hard I try, I just can't stop. And I've basically given up. Now, if you guys will excuse me, I have to go make a couple of phone calls. (laughs) Temptation. Lent is here and it reminds us of of this. And if we realize we look at our own weaknesses right in the face at this time of Lent, And it's precisely in those dark moments, in the most difficult times, in the times of greatest temptation, that our faith in Christ rises up within us with its power to put to flight all of those things that could destroy us. You know, Christmas isn't long past. And then we took great comfort in a God who became one of us as a babe to be with us. Now in this first Sunday of Lent, We hear of the trials of Jesus and of how he came to share our trials. We see our Savior confronting the powers of evil and triumphing over them, defeating them. And the devil brings everything he's got. To confront the Christ, he becomes a scripture scholar. He tosses biblical quotes at Jesus, striking at him what he is physically weak from fasting, offering him a political messiahship tempting him to exploit his divine power so he can grasp earthly power and wealth wealth and riches. And in the struggle of the titans, there's only one who could triumph, and it is the one who is on our side. The story of the temptation in the wilderness, then, is not just an interesting story about Jesus. It's a story of how Jesus became a part of our struggles, about how he accompanies us and leads us through our greatest trials and our greatest temptations. Struggle is always with us, but now, during Lent, we admit it and we recognize it and we encounter it face to face and we realize that Christ is here, triumphing over evil, giving us every grace we need, bringing the light of his goodness to expose the darkness 
and giving us that hope of eternal life which liberates us, that sets us free. Lent, too, is more than just leaving sin behind, but is also a time to grow in virtue and in holiness. St. Augustine asks us the question, suppose that God wishes to fill you with honey, but you're so full of vinegar, where will you put the honey? Pope Benedict has a wonderful commentary on this passage when he writes, the vessel that is your heart must first be enlarged and then cleansed, freed from the vinegar and its taste. This requires hard work, the Pope goes on, and is painful. But in this way alone do we become suited to that for which we are destined. Lent reminds us that the way we must cleanse and enlarge our hearts, the way we must overcome and resist temptations, is the same as it has always been, by getting right with God through prayer and the sacraments, getting right through, uh, with others through almsgiving and acts of mercy, and getting right with our bodily appetites and our physical urges through, through fasting and acts of self-denial. And if we do this, then we'll be ready for the honey that our loving God truly wishes to pour into our hearts. The ashes we just received on Ash Wednesday remind us of our need to repent, to be faithful to the gospel. But now the stories of the temptations of Jesus in the desert push us a step further. They remind us to not simply repent of our sins we've already committed, but to know ourselves, to be aware of the temptations and situations that endanger us and lead us into sin. The rather ridiculous story I started the homily with reminds us that each of us has our favorite sins, and they're not the same as everybody else's. Isn't the easiest thing in the world to see other people's faults? What can be easier than that? And the hardest thing is to see our own faults. But if we don't, we will not grow in holiness and virtue. We will not become the person God wants us to be. We'll not enlarge our hearts and receive the mercy and the blessings that God wants to pour into them. Well, how do our readings today help us then? I think they challenge us to not merely repent of our sins, but to recognize and shun the temptations that come our way. From the story of the fall of of our first parents in the Garden of Eden, in our first reading that we heard, into the very last chapters of the Bible, when the Lord finally defeats all the powers of death and evil, the story of the struggle of good, good against evil is the story of the scripture. In today's gospel, we find ourselves as witnesses, eyewitnesses almost, to one of the most colossal struggles ever fought between the powers of good and evil because it was directly between the Lord of glory and the devil himself, the father of lies, the prince of darkness. Jesus himself was tempted by his bodily appetites. He had been fasting. He was tempted to put aside his humanity and simply live according to his divine nature by hurling himself off the parapet of the temple. And finally, he was tempted by worldly riches and power. 
Is it not fasting, prayer, and almsgiving that strengthen us when these temptations come our way? If we have a besetting vice, a favorite sin, it doesn't work to just stop. We must practice the contrary virtue. If our problem is greed and materialism, we cannot just say, I won't be greedy and materialistic anymore. No, we need to make make ourselves, force ourselves to be generous, to give alms, to perform acts of mercy, to open up our hand that grips too tightly on our possessions and give them away. If our problem is a lack of control over our bodily appetites and behavior, whether it's food or drink or sex or gambling, we can't simply decide to be more under control. We must push in the other direction through fasting, self-denial, and acts of penance. We accept this concept when we exercise physically. Why not accept this concept in spiritual things as well? The priest who's gambling away his life savings needs to not just stop gambling to excess. He needs to find a different route to get to the outlet mall so he doesn't pass Del Lago. (laughs) If my favorite sin is pride, then I need to pray heartily so that I will remember that God is God and I am not. And in all of our struggles, the most important thing is to not lose hope, the hope that only Christ can give. In looking at our own sins, in undergoing the effort to turn from them and to resist temptation, we might become discouraged, even depressed. St. Paul's words in the second reading, at first glance, might seem frightening. Through one man, Adam, Paul says, sin entered the world and through sin, death. And thus death came to all men. But then he goes on to say, how much more will those who receive the abundance and the grace and the gift of justification come to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? Lent always points towards Easter when the one who suffered a horrible death gloriously triumphed and now lives forever and ever. St. Paul tells us in another place, and we must hold on to this when we struggle with temptation, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. During Lent, we don't just turn from sin, but we turn toward glory, eternal glory, everlasting glory, forever and ever. Amen.